I love blended learning. It's, uh, I think it's transformational, honestly. But as we implement it, we need to remember that choice and flexibility can be empowering or discriminating. And we need to make every effort to make it empowering. The topic of today's podcast is blended learning, allowing students to control the pace, place, path, and time of their learning. Tech Talk for Teachers. Want to practice? Tech Talk for Teachers. The podcast where teachers discuss how technology can positively transform teaching and learning. I'm Rena Clark. I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Pam Beckerman. We are digital learning specialists. And we're here to share actionable teaching strategies for remote and blended learning. Education. Education is our passport to the future. Today's quote is from George Kuros, one of our favorite educating leaders. And he says, technology will not replace great teachers, but technology in the hands of great teachers can be transformational. Interesting. I think that word transformational really sticks out for me, um, as well as great, <laughs> because great teachers are willing to transform and learn new things in order to provide the most relevant inspiring and supportive lessons and environments so that they truly are preparing students for their lives and their future. And that includes the use of technology, especially this last school year um, and really helping students gain ownership of their learning and be creators of content rather than always consumers. So I, I, th I see teachers really shifting from vessels of content knowledge to lead learners and directors of learning and if students just need to know content, they can ask, ask Alexa, Google, or Siri. So, <laughs> so teachers need to be able to teach students how to think and to learn and express themselves. Those were the two words I had in mind, too, transformational and great. Um, certainly, um, you know, significant transformation and innovation usually happens as a result of disruptive forces. And talk about disruption, the pandemic on education, right? And so there's opportunity for that transformation. And I'm so grateful for the amazing teachers that we have who are um, who are embracing this as as best we can and um, growing and learning so that we can transform and still be able to meet the needs of our learners, regardless of where they're at, face-to-face, -face, remote, hybrid. Um, I really like to talk about quotes. I like another one from Frederick Douglass. If there is no struggle, there is no progress. So we well, are we made a lot of progress then. <laughs> We've made a lot of progress. <laughs> Well, in today's podcast, we hope to make some progress in the conversation about blended learning. It's really a, a central driving force in a lot of the innovation in education right now. So what we are going to really focus in on is the definition of blended learning and kind of break that apart and dig into what that really means. So to kind of set it up, this is the definition of blended learning kind of comes from the Christensen Institute, which is sort of one of the, the main places, think tanks that is kind of... Uh, originated a lot of the thought on this and, and brought it all together. So they, they define it this way. The definition of blended learning is a formal education program in which a student learns one, at least in part through online with some element of student control over time, place, path, and or pace. And two, at least in part in a supervised brick and mortar location away from home. So at school and three, and the modalities along each student's learning path within a course or subject are connected 
to provide an integrated learning experience. So let's break this down a little bit. Um, Rena. I think you're going to take the first chunk. Well, so the first part is the element of student control over time, place, path, and or pace. And also that it has to be in part through online learning. And we've seen this in kind of different, when we think of maybe remote or hybrid learning, hybrid learning is essentially partly in person and partly online. So I think that fits the definition really well. And there are ways to think of even fully remote learning because you kind of have this synchronous and asynchronous model. So they're online, but kind of live. And we're going to actually get deeper into this idea of time, place, path, and or pace a little bit later on. So I won't go in depth about it, right? Just yet. All right. At a different time. At a different time. <laughs> in the way that I choose. Because <laughs> you, you have control. <laughs> All right. Part of the definition is also at least in part in supervised brick and mortar location from away from home. And as Rena said, uh, in part online learning, but it can't be all online. Otherwise, that would be online learning and not blended learning. So blended learning must include um, learning that is part of that brick and mortar that away from home. Traditionally, that means the school. Now, pre-pandemic, when we look at that, we're talking about in the classroom, you have that face-to-face instruction with the teacher and peers, and then some of that learning happening online. And we'll talk about different ways that that could happen. We also have schools pre-pandemic, our school included, we're doing hybrid learning where some days of the learning was in the classroom at school and some days were online in another location. And that might be another location in the school, like a media center or cafeteria, or maybe if they're older students at home. Now, when it comes to the pandemic, what does that mean in terms of brick and mortar there? Um, During the hybrid phase, some of us went hybrid before we went distance. Some of us may be in hybrid right now. Well, that fits because sometimes they're with us at school in the brick and mortar and sometimes they're at home. So that truly is hybrid. But even in the 100%, our schools in 100% distance learning right now, it can still be blended because of that combination of synchronous and asynchronous. So when they're with us live synchronous, that's the brick and mortar versus that asynchronous is that online, even though it's all online. So that's the definition part there. And the third part is the modalities along each student's learning path within a course or subject are connected to provide an integrated learning experience. And this is the part I think that can be most easily overlooked, but it might be the most important part of the whole thing. Um, It's easy to think of the online remote and offline or face-to-face parts of blended learning as being two separate things, but they're not, and they should not be separate. It's not like, oh, go do this lesson on this program and then come back and we'll do something completely different. That is not blended learning. That's uh, online learning and offline learning, but we're not blending anything together. We have to have some kind of common thread that ties those two experiences together. Probably the easiest example to think of is a student goes home, they watch a flipped video about content, but then they come back to school the next day and they have an in-person learning experience that applies and integrates the things that they learned on their own. It's the same learning, just different parts of the process. They have to be connected. All right, part two or topic two in in our little breakdown of the definition of blended learning is what Rena mentioned we were going to dig into more in just a second, and that is student control of time, pace, place, and path. This is a really core piece 
of blended learning and part of what makes it powerful. I'm going to start with the time and place piece. Uh, these are probably the most visible parts and they're probably the parts that students get excited about right away because it feels like freedom, right? You can do this whenever you want, wherever you want. <laughs> you know, it feels like, yay, freedom. Uh, really, and with great or with great freedom comes great responsibility too, which they, they soon find out. But flexible time emphasizes that asynchronous part of blended learning. It might be when a student watches a flip video before a key lesson, or maybe that the student's remote for a whole day or more. Um, it really varies. And then time becomes even more flexible. So flexible time, however, does not mean endless time. There's still deadlines. Um, it's also not to diminish routine as that can be a really steadying force in the whole thing as we've really seen during remote learning. Um, sometimes those consistent times are key. Place is also pretty easy to see. You know, it's where the students are learning. Um, back, we had some blended learning courses at our high schools and place might have been in a flexible learning space in the building. Um, during the pandemic, it's probably more at home, but some kids are at daycare. Um, it's, it's also kind of introduced this whole equity conversation into it when we talk about place. Some students have all the advantages. They have a quiet room, a desk, an expensive computer, a parent who can help. And then others maybe are at daycare or have no internet or have parents who had to work extra shifts and had little time to help with, with some of that stuff. So while this flexibility is empowering, we need to make sure that it's also not discriminating. Mm -hmm. That's a really important thing to remember and point out. And next on that list is student control of path. So in blended learning, students should be empowered to choose how, not just where, but how they will learn the content. And that can be done in a couple of different ways. And just to be transparent, that is going to take some planning up front by the teacher, or I like to think of the teachers. Remember back to that collaboration, collaboration. And it is much easier to do with the group. Um, and this could look very different from student to student. Um, students, as kind of Paul mentioned, maybe they're working alone or they could be working in a group. They could choose to work alone or choose to work in a group. Um, they can also choose the path in how they consume information. So maybe they want to learn through text or reading. Maybe they feel they learn best through videos or listening to a podcast or some kind of audio, or maybe it's something completely different I haven't even thought of. And it could also mean that the student develops their own path through the inquiry process. Um, and one of my favorite books, Lifelong Kindergarten, the author talks a lot about the playground style learning rather than playpen style learning. <laughs> so thinking of a, a playpen is a restrictive environment with limited room and opportunities to explore. So maybe more traditional classroom where the range of possibilities is limited, but a playground provides more room to move, explore, experiment, and collaborate with others that aren't necessarily in the same class. And on a playground, children can be seen making up their own activities and games they develop as creative thinkers and will do things we never imagined because they have that space and freedom to do so. But providing choice in their path opens up a playground rather than limiting it to that, a play pen. Awesome oh, comparison. I like that. I have not heard that one before. Me either. That. It's like, how far are you going to really run in a play pen? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I, that's a great book. Um, 
and I think of like choice boards. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about some different ways to do this with choice boards, possibly with the must do, can do, maybe a personalized list. Um, now, the thing to remember is this isn't just a free for all. They still need to meet grade level standards, but through the path that they choose. And I also want to reiterate that you support. Thanks. <laughs> Well, and the other area of control is pace, you know, the speed of learning. And actually, I think back when I started blended learning, it was really with the pace. I, When I started uh, teaching, one of the hats I wore, small district, you wear many hats, and one of the hats I wore was gifted and talented. So they sent me to a workshop because that was not my background so that I could... Um, you know, become knowledgeable about that. And I came back and I thought, oh my goodness, you're absolutely right. Nobody learns at the same pace. And this idea of teaching to the middle, I mean, there's very few, if any, students at the middle. And so I thought, oh, I got to shift how I teach so that I can support students at where they're at and in their pace of learning. And I quickly got defeated in that. I was a specialist. I had 725 students. I realized I can't do it. And it sat on, I called it my um, shelf of guilt for many years. It sat there. And I thought, I know I'm not doing this in the way that best serves students, but I don't know how to do differently until technology became the game changer. And honestly, it was the flipped, in-class flipped is what I did, screencasting. And so I always thought about redesigning lessons where I, they was most challenging, where, where things are going good, leave that go. I've got some areas that I want to be better. And the area that I want it to be better was in the research process. So I would uh, team teach with teachers on doing the research units. And we would, um, you know, the students would get their notes and there's this, you know, pace that you want them to be on. And when it gets time to do their bibliography or their work cited, you'd stop everybody wherever you're at, come together. Mrs. Beckerman's going to show you how to cite your sources. If you have a book, you do this. If you have a website, you do that. If you have a periodical, you do this. And I knew that some kids were not ready for that. They weren't even done gathering their notes. And now I'm totally overwhelming them. And I also knew other students have been waiting a while for me to get to this point. And they're starting to disengage because now it's like, well, now I've waited so long, I'm bored. When I flipped that, when I recorded that, students then could get to it at their own pace. And then they could uh, slow, well, one, they could pick the video that made sense. Oh, I made, I had a website. I'm going to go watch that video and have Mrs. Beckerman now explain how to do that. And Mrs. Beckerman talked fast. And so they could slow me down with the video or they could speed me up if it's something they already knew and then rewind a couple of times if they needed to. I taught middle school. Very few times the students would raise their hand to ask a question more than once. They might ask the first time, but if they still didn't get it to raise a second or a third time, but nobody got to, nobody had to see them hit that rewind button to watch it two, three, four times. There was so much dignity in that learning because they had control of their pace of learning. And I love that idea. And now there's also the translation feature. So mm, with, yes. when you put videos in YouTube and you can translate it, I know my own third grader has figured that out because he definitely knows how to speed up <laughs> some of the slow talkers and slow it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the pace, the control is so important. Okay. So it's actually time for our tool talk. And so I'm going to kick that off. And the tool I'm going to talk about since I was talking about flipped or in-class flipped, this idea of watching videos, I'm so appreciative of tools um, that allow us to do that. There's Loom, Screencastify, Screencast-O-Matic. 
but it really then gives students control over the pace of their learning. One of our, you know, we do our weekly, or now we're doing it first and third uh, Tuesday of the month, our Twitter chats. And I like that one person even called that out. One lesson learned during remote teaching is the value of video instruction. Providing video directions or mini lectures supports students as they work through assignments wherever they may be in terms of location, as well as in terms of pace of learning. I think that's powerful. That's a great segue into my tool, which is to support time and place. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I feel like I'm cheating here a little bit because I'm going to take the same tool I took last time, and that's the LMS piece. But really, that is your foundation. And what the LMS does is it allows your learning materials and your learning experiences to be available 24-7. I guess just to piggyback off of that, uh, I would say mine is path, and you can also use an LMS to help create different pathways for students. But, and there's so many things that you can do, but what I've really seen a lot of teachers use are these hyper hyper docs. So whether it's in a word or Google doc and they link all the different choices to different websites, whatever it is, I've also seen it used a lot in slides. So based on your, it's a choice board or their choice, they can link out to other resources or link to other slides or link to projects or different options. So I think my tool of choice would be uh, some type of hyperdoc. Awesome. Uh-huh. Well, are you ready for what's your one thing? I always feel like we should be like, one thing, one thing, <laughs> one thing. I know, we need a jingle. <laughs> one thing. So as you look back at our conversation, what is your big takeaway? What's your one thing? I I really like what Paul said at the beginning, and it stuck with me that all parts of blended learning need to be connected and or tied together. So in essence, blended. <laughs> that wow, I they think, should call that blended learning. I know, but <laughs> I, I think that's forgotten. So I think of cooking and all the different ingredients that are used to achieve a common goal. And if some random ingredient shows up and thrown into the recipe, or we put too much of one thing or not enough of something else, then your recipe is going to turn out terrible. And I think the same is true for blended learning. So you need to find that perfect mix. And maybe sometimes you throw in a secret ingredient, it makes it better, but let's uh, keep all the random things out. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. Like back in college when we made mac and cheese and I put Cheetos in it. (laughs) At least it was like, it has cheese. cheese, Get a little crunch in there. No, I love blended learning. It's, uh, I think it's transformational, honestly. But as we implement it, we need to remember that choice and flexibility can be empowering or discriminating. And we need to make every effort to make it empowering. Our students and families are counting on us for that. Yeah, blended learning supports giving students more control over their learning. That's what really resonates with me. And it supports that differentiation, that shelf of guilt. (laughs) I was able to take that down. And again, it's about empowering our students where they're at and really fostering their student agency. If you'd like to dig a little deeper into blended learning, we have a series of articles at avidopenaccess.org. Feel free to drop in there and check it out. In fact, in the spirit of blended learning, we have multiple pathways for you to dig into some of the content there. We have written articles, video tutorials, audiobooks, podcasts, and more. So you can choose when, where, and how fast you want to work through those resources. Dig into blended learning, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk for Teachers. We invite you to visit us at avidopenaccess.org. 
where you can explore tech tips, grab-and-go lessons, templates, and videos that will help you bring remote learning to life. We want to hear from you, so let's continue the conversation. Join us each Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central for live chat on Twitter, where we will facilitate conversations related to remote and hybrid learning. Look for hashtag Tech Talk for Teachers. We will discuss your responses on future podcasts. You can also call us and leave a message at 858-223-8999. Please share your comments or feel free to ask us a question. Once again, that's 858-223-8999. We'll be back here next Wednesday for a fresh episode of Tech Talk for Teachers. Thanks for listening and have a great week. And remember, go forth and be awesome. Thanks for all you do. You make a difference.